The Selfish Path to Romance. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and at amazon.com. Here's a question I received from Joe. Hi, Dr. Kenner. I'm a 20-year-old male, and I've been thinking a lot about why I have problems in my social relationships. People just don't seem fair enough. I'm trying to be the real me, to be nice to everyone, to be there when they need me, but I started to figure out that being this way makes them take advantage of me and not appreciate what I'm doing for them. I'm really confused. I have no idea what to do. Thanks, Dr. Kenner. Joe. My gut response to this, Joe, is, oh boy, do I know where you're coming from. Because I remember when I was in when I was a young adult even, but in my youth and when I was a young adult, I remember wanting to be good, doing things for other people without burning out, without getting that bitter resentment that I had seen so often in people around me, especially you know, women that were in long-term relationships. It's like, what's the use? Why bother? You can't fight City Hall. I just grin and bear it. You know, all those sayings we use. Uh, you, you just have to live and learn, and but they don't learn. Um, so, So I felt like, I was trying to be good, always trying to anticipate other people's needs and do what they needed, and I was making myself into a doormat. People were stepping on me, and if they wanted to do something for me, I trained them. No, 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 I only want to do for everyone else. It was otherism. I was living this I didn't know it at the time. It's the philosophy of altruism, which philosophically means altruism in Latin is otherism, that everybody counts, everybody matters, everybody's needs are important, except your own. You make yourself into a second-class citizen. You make yourself into a slave. You exist to serve others' needs. And so many of us adopt this policy and we're not even fully aware of it. So I never wanted to be that type of person that was a my way or the highway or me only. You do what I say, period. I made the opposite mistake. Hey, I got to interrupt this because we've got to pay some bills. 30 seconds, that's it. A very quick ad and then Alan will be back. Romance. Oh, I wish guys knew more about what we want from a relationship. (laughs) Boy, I wish I knew more about what I want. Where's that ad I saw? Ah, here it is. The Selfish Path to Romance. A serious romance guidebook. Download Chapter 1 for free at SelfishRomance.com and buy it at Amazon.com. Hmm, The Selfish Path to Romance. That is interesting. So I never wanted to be that type of person that was a my way or the highway or me only. You do what I say, period. I made the opposite mistake. I was losing myself. So being nice to others, in quotes, nice in a sacrificial sense, that faked niceness is a cancer in all relationships because you are not being fair to one person, to yourself. And you train others that you will wait on them. So over time, as you can see, Joe, it wears thin. You become resentful of them and you feel like a sucker. And you have, you've earned something. It's not high self-esteem, it's low self-esteem. So if you want to be the real you, the real you 
isn't betraying yourself. The real you is holding on to yourself, valuing yourself. And I recommend you read uh, the book, The Virtue of Selfishness. It's not my way or the highway. It's the virtue of making yourself into a person you admire, making yourself have good moral character or building building good moral character into, in yourself uh, to the point where you value yourself, you never become a doormat, and you never step on other people. You want to learn how to think independently and also how to pursue your values, to be a passionate valuer, to think for yourself, have the courage, learn assertiveness skills, to pursue your dreams, not whims, not short-range drinking, drunking, and driving while drunk or gambling, but picking reasonable goals in the areas of your life, such as romance and career and hobbies or leisure activities or picking good friends, not people who will step on you. So I recommend The Virtue of Selfishness and the books that say saved me from this philosophy of self-sacrifice is uh, the the Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged also, all by Ayn Rand. They're on my website, drkenner.com. And also you want to learn how to then deal with other people, not by becoming a doormat, but having what's called a trader relationship. You trade value for value. You rub my back, I rub yours. You're a good friend to me, I'll be a good friend to you. And it's just, uh, it's, it feels fair. That's what you want in any good relationship, that solid grounding, that feeling that you trust the other person and they admire you for what's good in you and you admire them for what's good in them. And that's a wonderful relationship. So it's not even trading material goods. It's making, it's spiritual. I'm not meaning uh, mystical. It's uh, just psychological. It's wonderful. So um, I wish you the best with that. And here's a quick question from, this is from John. I've been dating a woman, Edith, for about a half a year. I'm not religious, but she is. When we first started dating, I let her know that I was not religious and was not interested in rituals. She was okay with this, and for five months we had a good relationship with no signs of rituals. However, three weeks ago she started praying before meals and asked that I be quiet while she prayed. This feels like a bait and switch. When I asked her why, she said that she has done this all her life and only stopped doing this when we met to please me. Is this a warning sign that we might not be a good match? John. John, I've got three points to make. Number one, what we just talked about This woman, Edith, that you're dating is a people pleaser. She's got that altruistic mentality that she's got to please you all the time and fake niceness to you. And so she tried that for five months. She really likes praying before her meals, but because you didn't like it, you rule the roost and she decided not to just to please you. So she ends up deceiving you. And so Edith, Edith's, her people-pleaser mentality is the first problem. She's self-betraying. She needs to find someone who enjoys saying prayers before dinner. And she, by faking it to you, she only prolongs the, the pain for both of you. The second point is her deception. If, she's, if she, she led you to believe that she's religious, but it's not that important in her life, and certainly she wasn't praying before meals, and suddenly she does her bait and switch. Now, it was important to her, and 
she needed to tell you that at the outset because you've both wasted five months of your life. Um, if that's very important to her, the third point is that you are learning more about her. When she says she's religious, you needed to inquire more to find, because that's a major distinction. Do you raise your kids religious or not? Um, so you both need to go back and have a conversation. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner on the Rational Basis of Happiness. And here's a little more from Dr. Kenner. How do you know you don't like chocolate if you refuse to try it? Do you like worms? What? How do you know if you've never tasted one? <laughs> and that's from the movie Chocolat, an absolutely fabulous movie. Rent it today. Um, have your kids ever trapped you by turning your own logic back on you? How do you know if you don't like worms if you've never tried them? Uh, you know, with our kids, we taught them that if... Somebody says to them, you can't do this. And they, my kids ask why. And the person says, just because, because I said so. My kids would say, well, because this isn't an answer. Can you give me some reasons? And I don't think the people like that very much, the recipients of that. But we taught them not to just take an authority's words, that they, they deserve to hear reasons. And my daughter caught me in my own logic. I remember using a parenting skill, which is called a forced choice. You give a child a choice within limits, which is an absolutely fabulous skill. Listen to how it worked in my home. I said to my daughter, would you like to go to bed now or in a half hour? This is when she's a little tyke. And she looks at me and says, Mom, that's a false alternative. I don't want either of those. I want to go to bed in whatever it was, two hours or something, not now or in a half hour. And I had taught her what a false alternative was. And she picked up on it and said, not A or B, now or in a half hour, but C, none of the above. So I, I and what I love with kids is just their inquiring mind. And if you are, you're a parent and you can see some of their questions or some of even maybe their irksome behavior as endearing and their inquiring mind, they're growing their minds, uh, you might learn to cherish it rather than to get irritated with them. For more Dr. Kenner podcast, go to drkenner.com and please listen to this ad. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner. Asking your partner to sacrifice their rational values destroys relationships. Consider this example from an advice column. A recently remarried man stated that he wanted to take a trip with his 12-year-old daughter from his first marriage in order to bond with her before she became a teenager enmeshed in school and peer relationships. His wife adamantly opposed the idea, even though she didn't object to his taking an equally long vacation with his fishing buddies. Her objection to his vacationing with his daughter was based on jealousy and insecurity, which she allowed to undermine an important value of her husband's. If she truly loved him, she would not only permit, but also encourage him to take the trip because it was important to him. This would have strengthened their relationship. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com, and you can buy the book at amazon.com.